Welcome everyone to the Greg's Garage Pod with co-host Jason Pridmore, presented by Bike911.com, your local news and source of information for the things with the MotoGP and the Moto America and the World Superbikes. If you found us, just found us, welcome. I'm Greg White, and joining me, as he does most of the time, is Jason Pridmore. What's up, JP? Not much, G-Dub. How about yourself? What are you doing? Everything good in your world? Everything is good in my world. I'm just uh, looking forward to the end of this GP season, getting back into indoor archery, which is right around the corner, you know, just a couple months away, Yeah, shooting some tournaments and stuff like that. How's life in your world? Did you go to the racetrack this weekend? Did you hang out? What'd you do? I got to hang out at home. I hung out at home for a weekend, chilled with mom all day Sunday, so that was cool. I haven't had a, a Sunday at home, so... I did one of those things you got to do, I think, once every year, maybe twice in a football season. I just hung out, watched football with her, chilled, and uh, didn't really leave the house on Sunday, which was kind of nice. But your mom decided not to go to a a casino and beat up a casino? Uh, It's where she's at now. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. No, like (laughs) it was like enough of me on Sunday that she decided to go Monday, Tuesday. So, yeah, no, it's, it's, she's, she's got that habit well, you know, still at hand. So, yeah, she's doing that still. We're going to talk about Phillip Island MotoGP because it was a cracker of a race in the premier class, probably the mm-hmm. best of the season. And we're also going to talk some Mariah news. If you'd like to support our channel because you like what you're listening to, and Jason and I put in just so much effort. I mean, this has got to be, what, 80, 85 hours a week, Jason, at least? <laughs> well, ish, considering ish. how many times we do the podcast before we do the podcast, yeah. <laughs> well, that is true. That is true. We just had another hour conversation before we did this. You can go to <laughs> patreon.com slash Greg's Garage TV and support the channel. We appreciate it. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, Greg's Garage TV. And um, yeah, I mean, but before we get on to that, Jay, I'm, I'm kind of excited to hear your opinion on some things with uh, the news presented by Arai because I have a feeling that there's a couple news items in here that you haven't read about, but we'll see. Oh, really? So, All right, let's yeah, see. It's time for the news presented by Arai. All right, Jason, did you know that avoiding impact energy intrusion by sliding or glancing off of surfaces or obstacles is the key role of a helmet shell requiring a strong, smooth finish? For this purpose, Arai handcrafts each shell to be as strong and light as possible with a high fiber to resin ratio of proprietary super fiber and Z resin. Got a little ahead of myself. However, this process leaves a rough surface which requires many steps to prepare it for a beautifully smooth finish without adding any excess weight. Even though invisible, these details improve protection. That's Arai's obsession. Check out AraiAmericas.com. Pick what you like. Head down to your local dealer for fitment and grab yourself a new lid because the holiday season's right around the corner and you deserve it. AraiAmericas.com Alright, with that, Jason, first news item here. Max Toth was was named co-champion in the Aprilia series that he raced in Italy. We talked about it before. He and the guy that was declared champion were tied in race wins and blah, blah, blah. And they said something about like, hey, you have the most recent race win. You win. Took them like a week, Jay. And they came back and they said, nope, you know what? You guys are co-champions. So congratulations to Max. W- weird it was done a week after. But uh, what do you think? That is weird. How did they handle it the day of? That's uh, I don't know. Really interesting. In huh? Congrats to Max. I mean, it was good having him over here in the series when he was here and he decided to take another path and get back over to Europe. So good for him. I mean, it's always nice to see uh, an American doing well overseas. So that that's good for him. 
All right, Jay, here's a little bit that I thought was really interesting. Uh, when asked about Alex Rins coming to Honda next year, Mark Marquez had some interesting things to say. I'm going to give you some quotes. Uh, he was asked basically if if Mark was going to give some advice to uh, to Alex Rins, who is going to the LCR Honda team. And this was his quote. Quote, I will not give any advice, unquote. For me, it is another opponent. It's good that joining Honda is one world champion, Joan Mir, and another rider who's winning races with another manufacturer. Like this, we will see exactly the level. I'm working really hard for the 2023 project with Honda, and they are working really, really hard too. I don't say I wish him the best. Let's just go and see. He's another opponent. If not, I would be fake. So shots fired across the bow in a way, I suppose, that Marquez basically sends, I'm not helping Rins. What do you think about that? Hmm. I don't think that that's that much of a surprise, honestly. And in some of it too, I wonder if how it comes out language wise, like, you know, how it gets uh, translated across. I mean, I know these guys speak pretty good English, but sometimes when they get asked kind of technical or harder questions, it's a little harder for them to answer. And, you know, I don't think, you know, like at the end of the year, they all start off with zero points. Nobody's anybody's teammate really at that point. Right. So it would be interesting if it was in the position that they're in now, where where Ducati is in now, I should say, at the end of the year, because Rins could be a guy that could help Marquez at the end of the season. And so I'm sure some of that tune would change over the year as it goes. If Honda's struggling at the beginning of the year and Rins and Marquez are feeling the same things on the bike, um, then there'll probably be some discussions amongst Honda riders. But I think going into next year, look, this Marquez is the guy that's shown that he's the only guy that can really ride that bike right now. So it'll be interesting moving forward if Mir and Renz can get their head around it. I, you know, when you look at it again, Greg, do you feel like <clears throat> Honda made the right decisions? Do you think Renz should have gone to the factory team and Mir should have gone to the LCR team? Because when you think about it, Mir is Mir went to the Honda team, factory Honda team, based off of him off of his world championship. That's they're going to hire a world champion, right? And because ultimately I think that when you look at especially what Rins has done this year, Mir hasn't really done anything this year from the beginning of the year on. Um but Rins obviously has been riding pretty well and wins this weekend. So it's it's going to be interesting how that all plays out. It's going to be really interesting. I don't know, dude. I mean, Mir's proven he can win a championship and finish races most of the time. Correct. Rins Correct. has been too up and down. So I think that that's, I, th- I think the decision they made is a good one. I think they put the right riders in the right place. Mm-hmm. Mir coming back, getting healthy over the winter is going to be the really the big deal because the physicality it's going to take to ride that bike. I don't care what big jumps Honda makes. You've got to ride it like Marquez rides it, which is he just throws the thing around. So I, we'll see. I mean, you're right, Jay. Marks, the, the, yeah. the big question is if Mark is working hard on the 2023 bike, is it still going to be a Mark Marquez only can ride the bike for 2023? And then all the other Honda riders are kind of screwed. Time will tell. World Superbike has some rule changes for 2023. One that caught my eye is called Super Concessions. Now, Jay, here is the rule as it's read on worldsbk.com. A revised concession point system was adopted, which will allocate concession points to a large number of finishers, five, in order to capture a better balance of relative bike performance. Concession points will be totaled every three events, and then qualifying manufacturers will pass a, quote, performance calculator. Full details in the regulations. Now, the results can be, and 
the, ro- the results can enable manufacturers to either update existing concession parts or to super concessions. Super concessions for 2022 are chassis-based. By allowing a greater setting range, manufacturers will be able to optimize their machines for the intense level of competition that World Superbike is famous for. Uh, since the first meeting of World Superbike Commission October 6th, da, 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 they did some other stuff, whatever. They're doing it now. What the hell are they talking about? Ooh, oh, my God. What? Do you know? Did everybody get that? Did everybody get that, what Greg said? Did everybody get that? Like, nobody. So what are you telling I mean, me? That you're going to allow, like, like more swing arm pivot angles? Or, like, dude, like, this is the problem. This is what you and I talked about, though, when this started going down the down the spiraling Slippery staircase. Yeah, yeah, because now it's... And if you look at it in a little bit more detail, like I looked into it some, and it's it's they're going to base it off the average of the two best riders in the manufacturer, and so they've made some concessions for Honda. It sounds like, or it seems like, and you sit there and you're reading this stuff, and you're thinking to yourself, "Man, this is getting really complicated." But when you're trying to equal things out and make things so-called fair for everybody, it's a problem that you have, and. The second that they started, the second that they started, and I'm only going back to what I can remember, Greg, so tell me if I'm wrong. The second they started penalizing teams because their rider was kicking everybody's ass and the manufacturer did a nice job of producing a good motorcycle, uh, the second that they started to go, well, that's not that's not fair. Well, why isn't it fair? Why Why is it that we can't just have each one of these manufacturers make the best bikes they can? within a certain rule book and then move forward. Um, You can't any more than I don't want to see them penalize Ducati because Alvaro Bautista's bike is fast. Like let's let everybody else bring their bikes up to that level. But what they did five years ago was they handicapped a team because they built a great bike and had a tremendous rider on it. They decided, well, we've got to make this more fair. So we are going to cut RPMs and we're not going to let that bike. Um, we're not going to let that bike breathe. We're gonna we're gonna choke it off a little bit. Like really? So now they're down the slippery slope, as you say, of continuously trying to gradually manipulate rules, manipulate specifications. I guess you could say, Greg, technical specifications per bike. And how impossible does that seem? It just doesn't seem doesn't seem like doable. Hmm. Yeah, okay, so it's kind of like um, instead of dumbing things down, this rule is meant to elevate, right? Like allow teams to elevate. So Honda would get a more flexible frame because we've heard Steve English talk about that before. Maybe BMW will get the same thing or maybe a stiffer frame, like whatever. So that's the big deal. So they must have like, what I don't know about, like we don't have that rule, but they must have like some frame homologation thing where like once you – once you say this, is the frame we're running, we can't change it. And so they're going to allow these super concessions. Like it makes some big stuff. So, but what's kinda- weird, Greg, but, but, but Greg, what's weird, sorry to interrupt you, but what's strange about that is that they basically said that. So, so I'm, I, I thought about you when I read this. They basically said, if you look at the performance on the Honda on Bridgestones at the eight hour, because that's what that bike is designed around. And now it doesn't work as well with the Pirellis. Well, isn't that kind of what we hear over here about the Ducati with the Dunlops? Yeah, like 100%. Ducati's based around Pirellis. And so, so where, I mean, 
that that's where we're going to now because a manufacturer chooses to develop their tire or, or their bikes around a, tar- a certain tire. And there's probably a reason for that. There's probably a great reason for that, but whatever that reason is. So now it's like, you've got to make concessions based off of the tires that these manufacturers are, are testing their bikes on. And, and so now we're going to make, we're going to make rules for them to try to make it more fair. And I sit there and I think to myself, it really, so like if another team comes along with Michelin's or another manufacturer decides to design their bike around Michelin's and they go to World Superbike, what do you do for them? So I, I, I it's it's it seems like a tangled mess. I'm glad I'm not involved in it. Obviously, I wouldn't be. I'm not technical enough. But for the minds that matter on this thing, I just don't know. And they're and they're coming up with all these different formulas, and they're coming up with all these different parameters of well, we're going to take these two guys, the best two guys and average them out and figure out where they finish. And, you know, the, the problem is, is what if you have a bigger spread in average times between, you know, one rider to the next and so on. So that's the problem that I think, I mean, I mean, I don't know. World Superbike it's right now because is, is, yeah. There's two sides to, the, to, there's the inside deal, right? About getting bikes competitive and teams and that. And then there's the, fan side of things how close is racing how i think you and i both would love to see a honda up in the mix right like can you can you imagine adding that bike or having a bmw consistently so one side of me is like okay let's go ahead and 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 see how we get that done but the question also to me becomes is it cheaper because they talk about cost right like having a Mm -hmm. one bike rule is for cost and this and that okay well is it cheaper to dumb a bike down to performance but then now you're penalizing all the development or is it cheaper to allow more development? Like it's, it, it, it's just a weird thing to talk about. And you're right, Jay, I don't envy anybody who's in that position right now, who's in the rules making, but here's the thing. Try it. If it doesn't work, you can always go back. Like it's not the worst Correct. thing to try something. So I think I understand a little bit better just from what you're talking about as these super concessions and there's other things, but um, kind of like engine development in a way, Right in MotoGP, like the the manufacturers that didn't get the results, like the Suzuki's, uh, the the KTM's, you know, they were getting those special concessions for a while, and then once they reach a threshold of, they lost all their testing ability and and that type of stuff, and they're you know Aprilia and stuff. So, uh, you know, that seemed to work out okay. Um, but, I like, anyway. but I like that. But there's nothing said about that in this particular rule book. No, right? no, no, in no. But I, this is. But I like what you're saying there because it allowed those teams to have a few concessions and then once they did you know once they got to a certain point then then it was like okay now you guys are out of those and now you're in the pool with everybody else type of thing right so, yeah so if honda gets that concession let's say it's honda they need a stiffer frame or softer frame they get that concession done then if they start getting those results they're not going to get it again after another three races because their points are higher or whatever we're yeah. I don't, okay all right anyway so um how about this? Uh, Darren Bender, who races obviously for the RNF MotoGP squad, will move to Moto2 next season. He's raced in Moto3, then moved directly to Moto2, like Jack Miller, but didn't find the success. So he'll be racing for the Liquamali Husqvarna backed team next year. Jason, what are your thoughts about Darren Bender going to Moto2 and getting bounced out of MotoGP after such a short time? Um, I think it's great. That guy always seems like he's got a smile on his face, and I'm happy for him. I'm glad he's got a ride. Uh, it's so strange that, uh, that, that he got brought up from Moto3 to MotoGP. We saw Miller do it, but that's really been the only guy. And, 
you know, he wasn't on the best bike this year, but he always seems, if you look at his interviews and again, you don't know what he's like behind the scenes, but he always seems happy. He always seems like he's learned a lot. He always seems appreciative of being where he's at. And, uh, it sounds like this team that they've, they've, they've put together is going to be a good team. So yeah, let's hope that he, let's hope that he goes and, uh, and has a great season in moto two. And then maybe, finds his way back he looks a lot bigger than his brother doesn't he i mean he looks a lot bigger than than brad so whether he gets himself back and i I mean i think that the only way he finds himself back into moto gp is to win uh or do really well in moto two so let's hope he does that because if not i could see him being a potential world superbike guy in the future as well yeah i think you're right all right i don't know if you've seen this or not but on crash.net peter mclaren reported that moto gp riders might be getting a special red red flag button in the future. Now, this will allow riders who feel that the track conditions have become too dangerous to race on, let race direction know what their thoughts are. What are your thoughts on giving that ability to the rider and having a red button, Jason Fridmore, and go? Oh, my God. This is the first time you're hearing about it? Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't heard that. So is this like something they're really going to do, G-Dub? I mean, is this Uh, like... Listen, I I think Peter McLaren, I... I he's he's good like he's good at what he does he does a lot of good yeah. stuff so I, yeah. that's if they're thinking about it they're thinking about it and generally what I've found with MotoGP is if they're thinking about something they generally do it especially with with safety in mind but is this putting too wow. much emphasis is this giving too much to a rider because now as race direction you kind of open yourself up for well I told you guys I hit the red button and you didn't do it so you know oh, what I mean kind of thing I don't know Hey, look, here's where you run into your problem. Like they're going to feel any rider that pushes the red button and doesn't get what he wants is going to feel like he's not respected by the race organization. And, you know, it's going to be, well, just because that guy didn't push and that guy did push. Look, I just, I feel like they're it's as from a race director standpoint, from race direction standpoint, make good, conscious, smart decisions. Like, Look at the situation, find the situation, and then and then I think when you leave it up to the riders in this particular case, it doesn't just end with the riders pushing the button. Every team manager and team are going to be supporting whatever their rider says. So you're going to have team managers running straight to the race direction along with their riders. I just see this becoming a bit of a shit show. You can't let the inmates run the asylum, they say. Isn't that correct? So it's like... There, there has to be a division of, of at any job, anywhere in the world, there's a person that makes the decision and he's kind of called the boss. And then you have people that you <laughs> hire to work for you. And you cannot let the people that work for you decide how you're going to run your show, your business. I am all about rider safety. I'm all about um, listening to what riders have to say. I think in this particular case, though, I'd love to hear what you say. You like, like I said, you've stood on, you've stood on many a pit lane, G Dub, when it starts to sprinkle or condition starts to get a little weird, and 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 I have too. I've sat in the booth with you when I've sat there and gone, are they going to red flag this? Are they not going to red flag this? What seems to be going on? This looks sketchy. That looks sketchy. Whatever the case is, I just don't think that. I think that that's where you need somebody in race direction to to make a good solid decision and and, and go from there. I understand if you give everybody the button and majority rules, but, and, and the rider is going to be the person who gives you the most immediate feedback. I understand that. I just, 
there's so much at stake with the rider, right? Some riders, if they're not in a championship, it's about self-preservation. Other riders that need the points want to, like, I wonder if you say these, we're only going to do five riders in the field, three riders in the field and whatever their feed, you know, and you, you have someone up front middle in the back who you think is going to kind of be around there in mm-hmm. MotoGP and you say, okay, this is the person where I think, you know, and, and you rotate it, you know what I mean? Just in case I, I, I mean, it would help with things like oil if a rider really felt like there's oil. But then again, is someone going to take advantage of it because they want a red flag for some reason because they have a problem? They think they can like it's so (laughs) it's so crazy to think about all the scenarios that are involved. That's why I think you give everybody a button. And I'm just I'm just literally I found this thing and put it last like two seconds before I just typed it right in and hadn't really had time to think about it because we went right to air. And so I'm kind of talking out loud and figuring out, I think the best thing to do is probably majority rules at this point, but I don't know. I mean, that's a hard one though, right? You got to do a test period where you say we will, you know, like this isn't going to be like, just because you guys say this doesn't mean we're going to do this. We're going to see how it goes. We're going to look at the feedback and we're going to see, and they'll do that. I'm sure they're not just going to launch it, but it's a very interesting. It's a really good point, Greg. It's a really good point. Like you could almost do like a silent, uh, like, if a situation came up like this and they said, we're not basing it off of what we're seeing from you guys, we're doing it to collect data. So you could have a race where it starts to rain. How many riders basically hit the button and said, it's too dangerous or it isn't too dangerous. I mean, you know, race direction thinking- in that moment, Jay in race direction has no, like that's just being done in a back room, the data collection. And then you can kind of pair, pair it up with what race direction did to see if it works. And then you introduce it to race direction, maybe later on. I don't know. Well, you, you, dude, the first thing that just came to my mind right now is the Jersey race in Supersport in Jersey. I'm thinking the same thing. How many riders are going to push the button? How many riders aren't going to push the button? If the guy leading the race decides he's not pushing the button and he keeps going, you kind of go, well, you know, where do you draw that line? You got a guy like Josh Hayes who's won all the Superbike championships. He's won however many races. He's done this. He's done that. Easy for him to push the button up in front just to get another win. But he... He even said in post-race that he thought it was fine right to the point it wasn't. I thought Race Direction did a tremendous job there myself at Jersey. I And you can do it based off of looking at the lap times. They were going like two and a half, three and a half seconds slower. That Like the like um, Hayes and Heron and all them. They were, if you remember, Heron kept on turning fastest laps and he wanted the race stopped. Yeah. And he kept on going quicker, which was, I mean, if Race Direction is looking at it, they're going, well, the guy who's, if the guy who's going the fastest on the track wants the race stopped, he can still get on the podium. He was still, I mean, if he, if Heron had one more lap, he's on the podium. If it stays dry for one more lap, right. Or dry ish. Um, so I think for data reasons, it would be interesting for them to test that theory for a year and just get the different collection of how many riders were thinking that conditions were unsafe compared to how many riders weren't, because it's going to be really hard. I think we're spending too much time on this, but it's, it's it's going to be hard. Let's say a guy just gets into MotoGP. It's his first year, and he's hitting the button. And the guys that have been in MotoGP for a while are not. You know, so I don't know. It's again it's another slippery slope one for me. Yeah, let's get so, on, Greg. Let's yeah. yeah, go ahead. Sorry, no, nothing. It's just interesting to keep an eye on. If they yeah, it's interesting it. to keep an eye on that stuff. Yeah, you know, for sure. On. Let's look at this weekend, GW, because I am really happy that there wasn't much other racing to speak about this weekend. Um. I, as far as like there was no world superbike and they you know we weren't racing and i think it gave everybody in the motorcycle world an opportunity to really see what the sport is i greg it was one of the few times i've watched a race twice 
I actually watched the race again Sunday morning. It aired on NBC here at like 9.30 in the morning. So I got to watch this Phillip Island race and we're going to, we'll talk about this, but um, I think myself, I'm trying to think of a better race that I have ever seen. I can't think of one. And there are some definite arguments to that that I'm, we'll, I want to talk to you about as we go. But let's go through results real quick. And what was just a phenomenal race, um, Alex Renz goes on and wins this race for Suzuki, which I think create, it's such a great story. Uh, Renz wins over Mark Marquez, who, again, Greg, he's back, right? I mean, it looks like he is back. Um, Bagnaya ends up third. Bedzecki and Bastianini, fourth and fifth, all on Ducatis with Marie, uh, Luca Marini, Martin, Zarco. I mean, literally, Greg, from third to eighth, all all, all Ducati. Alicia Spargro was ninth in what would I guess would be disappointing. He was only four and a half seconds off the win, but he was never really a factor in this one, unfortunately, for Alicia. Brad Bender, uh, he ends up 5.9 seconds back in 10th. Paul Spargro, Miguel Oliveira, Cal Crutchlow, man, can't say enough about that guy. Darren Bender gets points as well as Remy, Remy Gardner, who did a, a, a great race himself. He was, I think at one point, Remy was up to like 11th. Notable non-finishers, uh, well, I mean, big ones. <laughs> Marquez and Miller get together in the new corner. That they, I guess it used to be called the Honda Hairpin, didn't it? Now it's now they, they named it after Miller. Jack. Yeah. Yeah. And then Alex course, Marquez, you're talking about Alex Marquez. Alex Marquez, sorry. Alex Marquez cleaned out Jack Miller. Sorry about that. And then, uh, obviously, Fabio Quattararo crashing out is big, big news for the championship. That said, it looked like Quattararo was on struggle bus to start with on that bike. He got a great start, got shuffled back early, and you knew at that point it was going to be difficult for him. I don't know where to start on this, G-Dub, other than for me personally, it was highly entertaining. It was a really good race. Um, man, everybody was pushing, it seemed. Uh, and for Rins to come out on top, I thought, was was a really good result for the series. The race was more complicated than people think. Yeah. After listening to, you know, riders talk after the race, reading information, this is what I've deduced. We know that they hadn't been there since 2019. Michelin has come a long way in development in those two years. So has the motorcycles. There was a lot of talk about the weather, the wind. Most of that stuff didn't materialize. The wind was there, and it blew some people off track occasionally, but not in the race, right? So nobody really right. talked about it that much. The arrow kind of made it. But what was interesting was nobody really knew how well those tires were going to last. And there were some right. gambles taken. A lot of those riders, from what I from what I can deduce, they basically turned the EC up. They turned the, elect- the traction control, I mean, the TC up, the electronics. And so some people were losing out and kind of made the wrong decision. And they didn't quite have the speed. Then others, like Rins, the story with Rins is incredible. I mean, basically what he had said was they he really thought the pace was going to be as slow as it was, and he knew that that soft tire was going to last at the pace. And Suzuki has been good on tires, even with the increase of horsepower they got for this year. And it was more that and the fact that Phillip Island isn't stop and go, man. It's a flower. Like it's, it's so slower, yeah. I, it was the first time I really started thinking about why I love Phillip Island so much and why I loved oh. riding there and why oh. after you go there, it becomes one of your favorite racetracks. Oh man. It's, it's just so good. I, I can't even, but begin Jay, to describe why, how good why it is. is it? So that's the thing. It's hard to describe, but you know, in really listening to the riders talk about it and listening to some of the analysts that are there in the paddock, 
I think it's the fact that you don't have heartbreaking, you know, stop and go type stuff. You know, there's no 90 degree corners there. It flows. It's fast. It's beautiful. It's all the things you want. There's plenty of grip. There was too much grip for, for some people. So yeah. it became a gamble of how much trash control do we give? How, or in other words, how much power do we take out? And what tire choice? And I think that that allowed that field to be so close together and be bunched up. And man, we saw some good passing. There wasn't one, one comment I read where someone said, all oh, the pace was slow and guys were just passing each other to pass each other. I, that's, I don't think that's the case. I think no. some of the people that finished close were obviously riding to their limit. Yeah. You know? Oh, I agree with you on that. I think I, I, I had, and I'm just going to tell you who, who I was texting, but when I was texting Alex Lowe's a lot during, you know, afterwards, and we were talking about it and I'm like, best race I've ever seen. And he goes, he goes, yeah. He goes, I kind of have a different perspective on it. I'm like, okay. And he goes, you know, they qualified at 27s and they're doing 30s in the race because they're conserving tires and they're this and that. And I agreed. I was like, yeah, it maybe they're not hanging it out as much as they can, but they all had to hang it out as much as they needed. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's like the problem that you have in a race like that, let's just say that the runaway leader is doing minute 29s in the race and he's running away with the, the race and he's on a soft tire and he's trying to make it to where gets a big enough lead at the start that he's trying to hold on for f- the last five laps or something to that effect. Right, Greg, mm-hmm. that race to me is more tactical. This one here, everybody's kind of in the same boat. So when it comes to race time, I don't really look at lap times that much as a fan, like even as a racer, I think that you, you race as hard as you have to, to win. And, and at that particular case, Everybody was in the same boat, so it made the race really fun to watch and intriguing because you had nine bikes at some point up in that race. And you had Suzuki's, you had Ducati's, you had a Honda, or Honda's actually, because Alex Marquez was riding really well too. You had KTM with Bender, you had Aprilia with Aleish. I mean, it was just kind of nice. All the manufacturers are represented. And I do believe that as a casual fan or as a fan in general, when you don't get to the nut and bolts of it and look at lap times during the course of the race, you're, the race itself is super intriguing. You know, the fact that passes were able to be made. You saw Renz. Renz was so insanely good um, out of the Southern Loop, which is turn two and running down to Stoner Corner. He was so good out of there. It was incredible that he could pull up alongside the Ducatis, the Hondas, whoever, and make that pass going into there. Um and I think that Phillip Island itself, it, 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 it flows so nicely. And, and here's how I look at a great racetrack. And I think for the majority of track day riders out there in the world, everybody that I've ever come across track day guys all have that one corner that they can't stand on a racetrack pretty much, right? And that mm-hmm. can go pretty well through all the way through your career. There might be a turn at each individual track that you go like, eh, I'm not a big fan of this or that corner for whatever reason. It's an individual thing. When I go to Phillip Island, there's not a turn at Phillip Island I don't like. Every turn there has its own identity in it. And it it's just a fantastic, fantastic layout and track. And you think, man, all the tracks I've ridden around in the world, I cannot say that I have that same feeling for. They're tracks that I love all over the world. Brno comes to mind. Brno was another one of those tracks where I didn't really think it had a bad corner. But Phillip Island is 
is almost majestic in the way where it sits in the world and the views you get and all that. And it just, to have that close of a race at a venue like that, I thought was spectacular. Do I think that if we went back there this week, we'd have a race that's just like that? The answer is no, because you, all the teams now would have data in terms of how long the tire is going to last, how much traction control to use. I think we'd see a more spread out race. I just think it was the perfect storm. But, but let there. me ask you that, Greg. You say that. You got to remember, you say that. I still think there'd be five. I know. still think that there's going to be. I still think it. it's still going to be insanely close. I, 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 I don't know if we would see that much of a difference because every data engineer, every manufacturer that be going through data, they're all going to see the same thing. A lot of them are going to see the same things. And they might make little tweaks and improvements to their bikes to get them better. But each one of those guys are going to make their bikes a little bit better. Maybe the lap times might be a little bit quicker. Um, I mean, thank goodness the weather forecast going into it, even a week out, just looked like it was going to be horrendous the whole time. And, and then the pictures coming out of Wednesday or Thursday. <laughs> oh, their time, my gosh. Where there were like underwater, entire corners underwater. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty oh. bad. You know what that reminded me of? That reminded me of the time that we were at... Uh, Doing doing your your old star schools at um uh where's that place in Chicago Blackhawk Farms remember that oh range, Blackhawk that yeah yeah there was like one corner oh that was God. like two feet underwater but anyway look the the thing about the thing that's interesting is that heading to Malaysia this week we're in I think we're in the same situation I had a quick look I don't think we've been to Malaysia since 2019 either but Malaysia is a completely different type of racetrack I mean it is a lot of stop and go at Malaysia it's got some high speed so. Will we get the same level of racing? Stop and go won't really give you that because there's some bikes that go better stop and go. The inline fours, this is where I was really surprised. I thought that the Yamaha and I thought Quattararo was going to go a lot better than he did. And there mm. were times during uh, practice and qualifying and stuff where he looked really good. Yeah. I just thought it was going to be that situation where Quart would be up there in the top three, but he wasn't going to win the race because there would be a Ducati blowing by him on the front straightaway. So it would block the lines he was able to take, but I didn't realize Quart was going to have such a bad weekend. Uh, yeah, but 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 you say that, and it's historically historically when you look at the the Yamaha, in my opinion, anytime it's around a bunch of different bikes, he can't ride it the way he wants to ride it. And I think that that's the thing that you know, on a lap on his own, he looks great. With two or three guys, he can he can kind of play the game a little bit, and he can. Um, he can strategize how he wants. When you got nine bikes at the beginning, if you look, he got such an incredible start. He was third off the line going down into turn one, gets shoved out by by uh, Bagnaya. That allows a lace to go through. And then um, and, and so right off the bat, Quadraro was just getting a little bit beat up. And then he makes a, a, a huge error going into to Miller's corner there and gets shuffled all the way back to where all the other Yamahas already were. And so... You know, and at that point now his race is going to be really tough. So, yeah and no. I think that with Quartararo, he he can take on two or three guys, but boy, when he has to start taking on six, seven, eight, nine guys, it makes it a lot more difficult. Do you think that maybe Quartararo has lost a little bit of focus or a little bit of edge since the test where he got to test the 2023 motor? And that Yamaha motor significantly faster. I mean, it was only down two or three k. And you think that he's a little bit mm, 
over this season, even though he was leading the championship. Think about it. Bagnaya closed 92 freaking points, bro. It's, it's 92 nuts. points. The, the biggest, the biggest gap to take over leading the championship ever. I mean, that's, that's two years ago, three years ago, whatever, 2019, um, you know, world Superbike with freaking Alvaro Bautista type stuff. So do you think though, that maybe it hasn't been just the motorcycle, you, the situation that maybe Quart has lost a little bit of focus because he's looking to the future? Man, I don't I don't know if I would look at it that way. You know, when I watch Quadra, I look at it like this. Let's say they're great. You say let's say that you're an, an unbelievable fighter. You're a great fighter. And going into these race weekends now though, you're trying to fight four guys and you keep getting hit in the face over and over and over by by different guys and you're fighting these guys and sooner or later, weekend in week out, I think that Quadraro realizes that he's on an island and he's fighting this battle on his own, even though Yamaha is behind him. I think that that becomes incredibly stressful because you, as a human, it's one thing to sit there and go, I'm going to do the best job I can. I'm not going to let anything distract me. I'm going to keep moving forward. That said, when you keep getting punched in the face from all angles and all directions, and you don't really have any extra support up there to help you, I think that that sooner or later, just from human instinct, it's got to play itself down a little bit. If you look at every great athlete, you look at, you know, even you look at MJ, you look at Michael Jordan, he always had a team around him. And when he didn't, he wasn't as successful when he moved on and played for Washington and that kind of thing. You can take the best, whoever it is, but man, sooner or later, when you start to realize that, man, the cards are super, super, super stacked against you. Um, I think that's deflating. And I also believe that the Yamaha Greg is the third or fourth best bike on the grid right now. I don't, I think you'd probably agree with that. I think that there are bikes that are better. And so I think that that's, that's very, very difficult for, for Quattro. And the fact that he's got a new bike coming out would have been, a, it would have been a great story had he been able to hold on to this thing. And he's not out of it yet. He's 14 points back. He's got to have a great Malaysia. He's got to put Bagnaya in a position where Bagnaya has to put it on the podium if he wins at Valencia. It's a 14-point lead right now. If Quadraro can get it to within nine, I think it puts a little bit more pressure on Quadraro, uh, on Bagnaya. Um, I believe if they tie in points at this point, it would be uh, Bagnaya's, Bagnaya's championship. He's won more races, hasn't he? Um, yep. So I, I think that there's a lot of things in order um, that could come down, but you know Malaysia is going to be an extremely difficult race again um, for for the Yamaha. I think it's going to be an extremely difficult race for them. Has Quadraro even been to Malaysia on a GP bike? Hmm. Oh yeah, he That's was. He was there. Nineteen. He was there in 2019. He finished yeah. seventh, twelve seconds. Listen to this. This is the last time I think they've been 2019. Winner Maverick Vinales on a Yamaha, Mark Marquez on a Honda, Davizioso on a Ducati, Valentino Rossi, Rins on the Suzuki. So Morbidelli, yeah. Quadraro, Miller. So you, yeah, half the half the top six results. Like you know, obviously Vinales is on an Aprilia, Davizioso's gone, Valentino gone. You know what's crazy about the whole thing, and and this is like we could literally do a podcast if you broke down everybody in this race from the weekend. I I couldn't help to think. How incredibly sad it is that we have a bike that just won a MotoGP race, and in two more Grand Prix from now, it's gone. It's insane, dude. I mean, it's just 
it's pretty wild. It, it's it's this is a bike that I think the Suzuki has been really really good. The one thing that they have had issues with obviously is qualifying. This bike won a world championship. It's still capable of winning. I mean, this is a bike that is capable of winning still. And in two races from now, it is it's gone, non-existent anymore. And man, that is such a sad thing to me. It's not like Suzuki's running around outside the points every weekend and they're just disappearing. This bike could still win another. I mean, Rins is strong at Valencia too. And you just told me that he finished, what, second or third or something in, in Malaysia in 19. It'll be a bike that'll be that'll be in contention, I think, for the last two races. And it's it's so wild to think this it's just gone. I, I did think about that during the race, you know, like you know, we're watching this motorcycle that's capable of winning. Um just it, be eliminated. It just seemed like it. that board meeting, you know, from from our perspective. And look, I'm not Japanese, I'm not in the culture, you know, and, and it's a business decision. I understand it, and there's money yeah, that yeah. needs to be moved around and stuff. I think the thing that gets me the most about that deal is we understand, not intimate, intimately, but we understand how difficult it is to make a fast MotoGP bike. How difficult yeah. it is to develop a bike that competes with a Honda, that competes with the Ducati, that can win races. And to just go, eh, I know we just signed a contract. We just made a commitment for the next five years. We're going to be here. Eh, I know I have all these people who work oh. for it, and they're chasing this dream. And we got two riders, oh. and eh, we got a bike that's competitive. Screw it. We're moving everybody over to electric vehicles. It's like, uh, it's, it's just, wild. it seems weird. I, you know, it stinks that Suzuki needs that kind of budget to do that. But my question is, why didn't you take $100,000 and go hire a marketing firm to go out and, and alleviate some of the cost and, and actually get an outside industry sponsor that's going to put a dent in things? Yeah. How are, how are, how is MotoGP so like, it's so funny because you hear people talk about it in the States. Like we need outside industry sponsors. We need outside industry sponsors. I, I at this point, I don't consider monster energy or Red Bull an outside industry sponsor. It is, I get it. It hundred percent is. Yep. But those energy drinks have been around for so long. It's like, where are the other companies that make sense? Like the Lenovo's right. That Ducati right. has. And Ducati seems to have a lot of, a lot of fingers, but Ducati is also owned by Audi and Audi gets a lot of car sponsorship and maybe there's a tie there that gives them a leg yeah. up or gives them an avenue in or I don't know. But it's just one of those things where you go, man, come on, a little bit more effort probably could have kept this program alive had you been a little bit more creative and been able to allocate some resources the way you wanted to, but keep this GP team going. It's just it's heartbreaking to see that. It is. It's like you're saying, Jay, if they were finishing last and all this kind of stuff and the program was a disaster, you'd be like, yeah, all right, hit the reset button. You know, kind of yeah. like, yeah. After after the the two stroke era, leading into the four stroke era, things weren't going that great. You could see, all right, yeah, I can see it's time to pull the plug. But anyway, well beyond our pay grade. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about some other things like um, moto. You want? Let's talk about fantasy. All right, let's talk since we're on MotoGP. <laughs> let's let's go ahead and jump to fantasy because when it comes to the Greg's Garage Pod with Jason Pridmore Fantasy League, mm-hmm. I was able to jump up almost 10 spots to 24th, but it stinks because, well, I turboed second place. Mm-hmm. I had Miller. He ends up not finishing in his own race. He crashed in his own corner, didn't he? The corner he did. that was, he yeah. did crash in turn four. Well, he got that's, cleaned out, right? He got cleaned out. That's it. He got cleaned out. Yeah, sorry. But I have one turbo left, Jason. I'm in 24th and I'm well behind the leader, but 
after all my effort, I still only scored 108 points because I put Miller gold and I moved Pecco. I had no no confidence in Pecco. He he dude, if you go look at practice and qualifying and stuff, he didn't actually look that impressed. I didn't think he was gonna be out there, you know, like yeah. up front. Yeah. yeah. So I want to apologize to Pecco. Okay. <laughs> I, I gave up on him. Yeah. And you I should have You did. I put Jack Gold and that was a mistake. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, I I mean, look, the thing that Marquez did going into the Miller corner was absurd, wasn't it? I mean, it was like, it wasn't even close. You know, Greg, when you go to certain racetracks, you have to realize, especially when you're in a group like that, it's like it's like going down into the chicane on the first few laps at Daytona. Even when you're in that big group of guys, you got to realize you're getting drawn into there. And it's just the same thing getting into that turn at Phillip Island. The drafting and ideas of being in a, you, you got to realize how much, air all those bikes are moving so when they go through stoner corner it's probably fourth gear on a moto gp bike but with all those guys moving the same way you're going to get kind of sucked into that into that hairpin and to see marquez make as grave of a mistake as he did was such a shame and boy you could tell he had i mean immediate regret i mean he was over there with miller uh checking on him immediately and obviously he went to the garage so all, all that's great but close racing is close racing and i realize that this stuff happens and i know they'll penalize him and all that um i i don't think that the long lap penalty scares any of these riders anymore because they realize they can still do really well even if they have that it makes it a lot harder don't get me wrong i don't know if they need to penalize him i mean it was a mistake and that's you know they want good, hard, close racing. It was a complete screw up on his part. Have they, Have you heard? Have you read anything where FIM has come out and said anything? Did they? I have they issued him a long lap? I don't know because I haven't read anything that they didn't. Or I mean, yeah, they didn't that give, part I haven't they, really followed up. They on didn't it. give. Uh, they didn't give Nakagami a long lap. Right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I automatically thought that they're going to penalize Alex. Have yeah, you seen this? Give, new, have you seen this new yeah, thing like in Moto Three? We're going to talk about that where they where they they give you a warning for what do they call it? Um, it, it, did you see that? Like, like I don't think so. Uh, Jan Anju got it, and it was in the middle of the race. Okay, and he got it for not aggressive riding, but he got it for something else. And I was like, "Wow, you're getting a warning, basically saying, hey, you better keep your head about you because you're like conscious, conscious riding or something like that.' Anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm getting off topic. Let's talk. Let's let's continue our talk with this fantasy because. Three WSMC champs has pulled away. Yeah. Slow to Stoked, I believe, was second place last week, but Slow to Stoked only scored 57 points. Mm. Three SMC champs, WSMC champs scored 101. So now they're over. Uh, A. Bernardi 705 is in second place. Yeah. And each, each of the top three in last place is now in third place. And each one of those teams has one turbo left with two rounds to go. Now, the total point spread is 1,872 and a half to 1,836. So pretty substantial lead that we have in the pool. The thing that I laugh about is three WSMC champs. Jason, you know these people, right? You I know do. these. Okay. Yeah. We're only rusty. giving away one. We're only giving away one Arai helmet. So I want to know <laughs> who of these three clowns is actually going to get the lid. You know, that'd be interesting. To see. I mean, they can take a chainsaw to it if they want. You know, and, and chop it up into three pieces, but well, Rusty is a Dallas Cowboys fan, so I had to deal with oh. him on I had to deal with him. Yeah, I had to deal with him on America's Sunday team night. My ass. 
Yeah. So I had to deal with him Sunday night, but yeah, they've done a good job and they, and he's still got turbos left or a turbo left. So a turbo and left. Anthony's doing great though. in second, I mean, he's there. Yeah. Uh, what's the point lead? 1872 to 1836. So mm-hmm. yeah, gamblers math. All, they're, they're all fighting, aren't they? And um, it'll be interesting to see how that all comes out. I, I just stink, but I'm making a move this week. I, I, I've got a, I, I'm actually going to be able good to time make a season to do week. it. It's really good. good time. Hey, I'm, yeah. t- I'm setting the I'm setting it setting the bar really low, so I know I can improve next year. So, right, so let me search um, JP and find out. So let's see. Two hundred forty second. JP and Greg hold hands. They're at thirty three. Beat JP forty three at two twenty one. And there you are, two forty two. Oh, you All scored a whopping forty nine and a half points, huh? Well, you know what I did? It's so stupid. I watched what? FP4 and Vinales was so good in FP4. So I <laughs> FP4. Well, yeah, because that's when they're testing. That's when they're doing all their race runs. And I'm like, wow, he looks really good. And he was already through Q1 into Q2. Mm. So I'm like, ah, maybe he's. You know what, Vinales. So you put you I'm put done. Vinales on your team. Who did you get rid of? I got rid of. I got rid of Bastianini because he was horrendous. I and it my my picks. It looked okay when. Bastianini's airbag went off in the first two laps and he was back in 20th <laughs> comes all the way back to finish fifth and Vinales goes just dead backwards to the bottom of the river so did you hear the commentating team too during that oh Bastianini's out he's not even a contender anymore I'm like yeah we got like 19 laps to go yeah what we got quite about? a ways to go and in case you can tell every single rider is nose to tail at the moment so let's just pull the shoot on that for just a second right just a second so, just yeah chill. let's just just chill for a minute it's the beast and it's Phillip yeah. Island. Um let's see what's this. Um yeah, it'll be interesting to see how uh I mean, dude, there's a couple guys. I mean Hey, listen, if you're listening to this and you're in the part of the pool, go go manage your stuff because a lot of you people still have three, two turbos left. There's only two races left. Just go take a chance, have some fun, get on there and do your thing. Let's go to Moto yeah. Two. Moto two. Moto yeah, I mean, two was Moto two kind of boring. When you look at Moto two, it was a boring race. But this is a class two, Greg. Where knowing a few of the people that I, I mean, I know probably about five or six pretty influential people now in Moto two, from crew to riders and things. And the problem that you saw in this race again is this super hard front that the riders have to use. And if you watched FP3, there was a number of riders that crashed, like a bunch of riders. And these oh my the God, tires dude. are so stiff. It's so hard. It's hard to get temperature in them. But these guys are crashing without even like looking like they're trying to crash. Like if you watched, uh, even in the race, if you watch Augusto Fernandez, didn't even look like he did anything, did it? I mean, just the front was gone. And, and Cameron ran a soft front. And it was really good till about seven laps to the end. And it was so weird because they showed him and Dixon nose to tail. And then the next thing they show of Cam, he's like four seconds back. We didn't get to see why or how. I thought maybe he ran off the track or something somewhere, but he probably had a couple big front end scares. And that's what he did. That's what he said post race. He lost. Did he? I still haven't got times. to see, I haven't got to see any of his post race stuff, but that's all I could imagine. Once I found out he was on the soft front and. And that's because as a rider, when, when you keep losing the front on hard fronts and you can't, you know, for life, you really understand it. I mean, a lot of the front end crashes from these guys are like these, these front, they, they just go, they're just gone out from underneath them. And that's got to be super frustrating. 
Do you know that in free practice one and in free practice two, MotoGP had zero crashes? They get out there I in Moto2 that. and that it was crazy? an absolute freaking yard sale, dude. Like the yep. first couple laps of free practice, I think it was one or two. Is like, so I think it went like Moto3, then MotoGP, then Moto2. Like it was just absolutely gnarly, dude. They, those guys were, they were trucking them all over the place. It's pretty, it's yeah. pretty bad. Yeah, that is yeah. pretty. Bad. I think that I think that somebody's going to have to look at it. But in terms of the race itself, the race results were basically this: you had uh, Alonso Lopez on that Boscacuro Boscacuro chassis. He ends up winning the race by three and a half seconds, and then it was Pedro Acosta on with the a Alex, long lap penalty. Then, with a long lap penalty. With, with a long lap, yeah. yeah. Jake Dips, Dixon was nine and a half seconds back. Like. Yeah, you got to ask yourself out. how come Moto GP and Moto three are so good, and why was Moto two? And that, I think that's Jason unlocked the deal. Then you have Furman Aldeguer who is racing up Manuel Gonzalez. He finishes ahead, fifteen seconds behind. Then Alcoba, and then Bobier was right there. So that group, Bobier was in fourth place. You know, I really thought he had the measure of Dixon. I thought he was hanging back there, not knowing he was on that soft tire. And then when it gave up for Cameron, he ends up seventh. Uh, Chantra is eighth. Aaron Kinnett ninth. Ben Bo Snyder. The big news is Ayogoro was all the way back in 11th for the championship, but that's not the end of the story. Sam Lowe's, who comes back from a freaking massive crash earlier on in the weekend to finish 12th, Marcel Schroeder, Arenas, and Hada rounding out your top 15. Our boy SDK ends up 18th position, last in the race, but 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. 11 non-finishers in this race. And the biggest, of course, is Augusto Fernandez, who it was at the moment your championship points leader out of the mix. So now, Jason, you have Iogura, 242 points, Augusto Fernandez at 238 and a half points. They're the only two left in this championship with two rounds to go. Aaron Kinnett, 192 points back. So he's out, right? 52. Yeah. So hey, real quick, because I literally watched the end of the race. I didn't get to see any of the interviews or anything. Um, I think I think what I I think I was watching football, like, and so I saw the end of it, and I thought I'll go back. Dude, I I just noticed right now what happened to Joe. I didn't actually see what happened to Joe. He had a DNF. I think go? it was two he laps to fall, go. It he? was an equipment problem. I don't. He didn't fall off the bike. I don't think. I think he. Oh, you I know think, what? I do remember the commentator saying they just saw him pull up. I do remember mm-hmm. that now. So he had a mechanical because he wasn't riding bad. And SDK, to be fair, was closer this weekend as well. He I mean, was. You got to think that that's qualifier. because they haven't been there in three years. So there's a bunch of guys that probably hadn't raced there before. Exactly. Yeah. That, that Don't you help, think though? You know? Americans go to Phillip Island and just kind of gel with the place. I do. I mean, Nick, Cam, Nick was had good Cam there. ever Colin been there? Good there. Had Cam ever been there? Cam had think... been there on a Moto Three bike, I think, years and years and years ago. Oh, he had okay. maybe. Yeah. What year was what year was Cam? Cam would have been. Oh let's God. see. That was Moto. I'm trying you. to think. The only the only way I know is I think it's 2010. Maybe was that the year that Cameron was in there? Moto. Yeah, 3? I don't know. I, I or 125. I should say 125s because that was that would have been the year that um, Moto GP two came out. I can't yeah. remember. Anyway, maybe it was 09 or something like that. But I'm trying to think if if they they were going there back at the time. So who knows? Interesting. Yeah, Bobier okay. was there in 2009. He was in 125. Wow. He was teammates with Mark Marquez back in 2009. So and crazy. he 
he was there. He didn't finish the race. So that's his first time being there since 2009. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Well, Don't you find though, cause you, you've been there now three times or twice. I've been there twice. Yeah. Twice. That track, like there, that track I can go back to and I just know where it goes. Like it's just made that much of an impression. It's I've been there so three good. times. Yeah. yeah. It's cause you love it. That's why. Four times. It's just yeah. So, it's just yeah, so yeah. good. It's just so good. Like and if we I went think, to, to if we went back to Topeka, which I've been to with when we go to Topeka with Star School, was that the one with the big hole? In the, yep. If we went there, yeah, we went I'd, there. I'd, I'd I probably don't remember which way that track goes. You yeah, know what I mean? Well, There's some tracks not, where it just it's a, not like a, a lifelong memory. Topeka, Kansas. Let's be fair. <laughs> you know, I remember I mean, where Fort Leonard Wood. I remember that track and which way that one goes. Fort that place Leonard was Wood. great. Nobody would even that know about was, it. Yeah, that no, I, I'm with you. I, I just think that you know it's funny because. I've been mapping out next year already. You know, you and I went through that a little bit this morning, and it's like World Superbike starting there in February. So, yeah, I'm thinking. Oh, is their calendar out? Their calendar's out already. Well, I know where the first race is. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. So I think that they're there in February, and so I'm, and I've already looked it up, and there's, I'm, you know, I'm just going to say there may or may not be a couple track days in and around there. So I've got friends already hassling me. <laughs> so. Come yeah. on. So I'm thinking about going over, you know, in Feb. So it could be could be pretty good. So we'll see. Moto three G dub. I didn't get to watch the race. I, I still mm. haven't got to watch it, but it looks like Guevara did his thing. He wins the world championship by that, doesn't he? Doesn't he win the world championship? He won the yeah, world champion, yeah. So, yep. so Ethan Guevara is, is crowned world champion. Wow, it was amazing. a great race. And he won the um, race. It, it was it, yeah, but it was hard, dude. So there were four okay. riders at the front uh, in in that Moto Three race. Let me just pull it back up because Anchu was second, Garcia third, and Sasaki all covered by half a second. And then Nepa, McPhee, Mariah, Kelso, Fagia, Rossi rounded out the top ten. But it wasn't. It doesn't look like it was your normal fifteen or eighteen rider battle at Phillip Island. Like you say, the first four guys were covered by half second. They had seven seconds over the next four riders in Nepa McPhee, um, Diego Marrera and Kelso. So yeah, there must've been some, uh, maybe there were some it dramas was, in the, the race and all that. Yeah. The top, the t- well, no, the top four, once it's so, so there were, there were that group of eight, like Kelso was there and he, Kelso actually set the, he's, he's Australian, you know, he set the early, uh, fastest lap of the race early on kind of a thing. And, um, I'm trying to think if he ended up with it. He ended up no, it was John. It was John McPhee who ended up doing a thirty six eight eight. But there were that eight at the beginning, and then these four just kind of pushed themselves on down the road. Uh, Dennis Anju looked like just an absolute idiot in the race. Um, he <laughs> was he just, really oh, dude, he's just such a chop. Yeah, I mean, I know he's fast and all that kind of stuff, but he does it in a way that just disrupts all the racing around him. That's why he got like this warning. It was like a conduct warning, I think, or something like that in the middle of the, really? it was some dashboard thing that I hadn't seen before. I'd have to go back and watch it. But anyway, um, Guevara was, I mean, all, all four of these riders just kept passing each other. And it was really fun to watch Guevara not give up. So the situation was, Sergio Garcia wins the race. Guevara in second place. He wins the world title, right? And anything about that. So Guevara didn't have to win this race, but if you look at it, he wins the race by 0.3, but that was probably one of the only times in the race, Jason, where there was even a 0.3 margin. Like it just happened that Guevara just put his head down on the last lap once he got the lead because he wasn't, he didn't lead across the line on the last lap. I mean, you know, like the heading into the last lap. It was a really good race, a good scrap. You did feel the tension. 
Um, yeah, it was good. It was good. I mean, it was it was really great to see Guevara win this championship. Now the talks are, you know what I mean? It's chirping like, get should this guy go right to MotoGP? Blah 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 blah. Uh, so we'll see. Yeah, I know. Well, I think that if there was a time that ever happened that it could actually work, Miller was lucky enough that he did it because he was a bit of a phenom, and everybody thought that he was great. Um, Miller was, and and I think that there were, you know. Who was it? Honda back then that just took the big chance on him, wasn't it? It was Honda. So Honda, it was yeah. L- well, LCR how many? And they- how many Sean Kemp's are there in the world, right, Jay? Like that's the yeah, question. That's like, don't you yeah. look at it as Moto Three yeah. is going from high school basketball right into yep. the NBA and skipping that college deal? You know, and that's what Moto Two. That's kind of the way I I kind of look at it in my brain. Sean Kemp was unbelievable going straight from high school and then playing. But you know, Jack Miller, I think is is special. But and I'm not saying any of these guys aren't. But I there are guys, though, no- but you know, but what's so strange to me, right? This is what's weird, and I was going to get into this a little bit ago, and we don't have to do it now, but but like, how's DeGian Antonio keeping a ride? He has done, mm-hmm. he may have a pole position this year, and other than that, he's done nothing. Literally nothing. He's dead last, DFL every weekend. And how is Morbidelli keeping a ride? I realize that they've already spent money on him, but think about the money they're going to spend on toting him around for 21 races next year, and and put somebody else on the thing. I mean, Crutchlow has come in and made every other person on the Yamaha look horrendous. And when I say that, I'm talking specifically about Morbidelli. This is a guy that's been nothing but a test rider. Crutchlow, I've, I've got more, way more respect for Cal right now than I probably ever have. The guy's come in, he's putting the bike in the points. He's second best to Quattararo. If you watch, I forget what practice session it was. Greg, he was only a 10th behind Quattararo. I think it was free practice three or free practice four. Like, he has done a tremendously good job. And I mean, I wouldn't want to take the chance on a kid coming from Moto3 and putting him right in MotoGP anymore. I just wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't. But I, de- but I definitely, I mean, right now, if you're, if, <laughs> if I'm a Yamaha boss, I'd be like, yeah, give Guevara the seat and kick Morbidelli off it. I mean, Morbidelli is a tremendous rider bike, but it's not working there. It's not working. Something's got to change. Don't you agree? What do you think's going to, yeah, 100%. What do you think's going to happen in Malaysia? It's been a while, same situation, haven't been there since 2019. There's more arrow on the bikes, there's more blah, blah, blah on the bikes, there's squatting devices, there's yada, yada, yada. Riders talked about it at Phillip Island where they didn't think they were going to use the squat devices because the track really didn't need it. It looked like a few people were using them coming onto the front straightaway, uh, just, just from the visual on it, but who knows. But it's going to be different place. Have you raced Malaysia or ridden Malaysia before? Um, Have you been there? Uh, I have not, no. Yeah, see, I mean, I've only played on video games, and I know it's just dramatically different, but it's going to be fun to see what happens. I'm going to be keeping an eye on it. I am going to be here this weekend. Are you going to be around this weekend? I am going to be around this weekend till Sunday, and then... Um, well, that's fine, because Malaysia is yeah. almost the same time zone, isn't it? Pretty that's close. Right. It, it, so the race will be Saturday, Saturday night. night. And then we yeah. got World Superbike 2, right, from Argentina. And we have World Superbike from Argentina. Yeah. Yes, we do. Yeah, because so, we had Steve English on. Which, by the way, thank you everybody for all your feedback. You know about about the last couple podcasts. I know the Josh Hayes one has been really popular. Steve English one's been really great. So thanks for all that feedback. So basically, so whenever we us. get somebody else other than us, people love to listen. That's what that's telling mm-hmm. me. Fair play to all, to all of you. All right, yeah. if you're listening this this late in the podcast, I have a question hey, I, to gonna, ask everybody, I'm gonna, including I'm Jason. Send you something. Just keep talking. I want to listen to your question, but I'm sending you something as we. As you talk, so and you're going to get this on your phone because it's something that we got to discuss just real quick. So, 
Oh, so right you, now? You go, yeah, you go ahead and ask your question. Go ahead. I'm listening. All right. So my question is, once racing stops, the Greg's Garage pod continues on. And obviously, we look for content. So, Jason, I've already talked to Chuck Axelman. We're going to get him on in November. We're going to have a nice conversation with Chuck Axelman, the CEO of Moto America. He Love promised that. promised to tell us how much Johnny Ray is making, as well as some stuff about Moto America, because oh, Chuck is Johnny's Johnny's deal. So, so the question was brought up, up by details. Great, yeah, by a, a rabid fan of the podcast. I mean, someone who listens to every single word, every single minute. Oh, they thought it'd be interesting if I brought a guest host on. For one mm-hmm. podcast, and okay. the guest host and I interviewed you the entire time. Oh God, that's <laughs> to talk about old timey stuff. Now I told this dum dum, who I'm not going to name, Jeff White, and then and who was asking about us. Look, our podcast isn't really about talking with old riders about their old experiences, but yeah. he enjoyed the chit chat so much with Josh Hayes. He kind of brought it up. So, Jason, what are your thoughts about me getting someone like Josh Hayes or maybe Jeff White, who suggested? He could be the co-host of the show oh boy. and then interview you for the whole time. G-Dub, I'm going to be dead honest and this is probably going to draw some concerns from some people out there. I get blown away by about how much Josh Hayes remembers about certain things. And I think I was that way till I was about 45 years old. And I just had a birthday. I, I'm, there are so many things I just don't remember anymore until somebody kind of jars my memory and then I can kind of remember certain things. Which is crazy. I mean, remember how photographic my brain used to be on lap times and things like that? Like, I used to know every lap time I did up and forever. And look, I don't know how interesting any of my stories would be. I, I, you know, I was lucky to do what I did. I, I, I'm still lucky to do what I do. So it'd be interesting to see if anybody could pull things out of my brain. There'd probably be some things I'd be like, oh, I don't remember that. Or maybe I did. All right. So know. we're doing it. And hey, hey, listen, get on Jason's social media, get on my social media. The links are all in the description or unless you already know it. And just kind of let us know your thoughts on what you think about that. Jason, I looked at the video that you just sent me. Yeah. What am I looking at? Cause I don't have the volume up. Is, is it a volume up thing? I mean, you can, you can have the volume up if you want, but I mean, who it, who is it? I mean, what, what, I mean, what are your originally, like, what are your initial thoughts on that video? My I just need to know initial are... thoughts. I sent G-Dub a video, everyone, that we'll, we'll talk about here in a second, but I'm just trying to get his uh, initial views and thoughts on this, on this video at the moment. You know, it's somebody just... that you know, it's somebody that you know, who's on a 50. You... They're on a 50 dirt bike <laughs> in a road race suit in a parking lot, basically. Oh, yeah. That are going to, that looks like they look scared. They're going like two miles an hour. Like, I don't really know what I'm looking at here. They're just going around the cone in circles it. with their knees sticking in the air, seven feet off the ground. Okay. And someone waves at them and tells them to stop, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. What, 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 what am I looking at? Well, you know, I'm always on Kolb's. I'm always busting Kolb's balls. No, and stuff, right? no, we can't. He's going to kick our ass. We can't talk about Kolb on this podcast anymore. No, it's not Kolb. It's not Kolb. Dave, it's David, Simon. I, David, I love Simon. you. Simon does. <laughs> Simon. Simon rips around Chuck Walla, and these clowns had him on a mini bike in the morning, and he was in his suit at eight o'clock in the morning, just absolutely determined to drag his knee. And I'm like, Simon, I don't care how far you lean off a bike, lean off it as far as you can. <laughs> And they had him in the parking lot at Chuck Walla, and the thing was revving at about 40,000 RPM. <laughs> like we're screaming, shift, shift. And he's, and he's got the thing, and he, he's trying – he can't get his knee down for anything to the point where Berdan actually goes and puts his suit on to actually help Simon do this. Oh, my and God. And 
I'm like, if I show G-Dub this video, I, I, I don't even know. Poor Simon. And, and see, Simon, <laughs> Simon won't beat me up. I'm Cole probably would, but, but anyways, I, I had to share that with you just because it, it was, I didn't even know what to do. I was laughing so hard. I finally <laughs> got a bowl of cereal. <laughs> I can't do it anymore. I uh, just, just let me know if you touch it. You know, that reminded me of dude. And I hate to say this because it's so bad. Reminds me of Michael Jordan when he went to star school at, at uh gingerman raceway and just oh, yeah. as tall as he is, yeah. It kind of looks the same as Simon on that 50, but oh. he just had his knee sticking out as far as it could, and he just couldn't get it on the ground. Just oh, MJ. I, MJ. I'll never forget when he destroyed two of my bikes in Chicago. Now that See, that would be a good story. That's a story for you. <laughs> yeah, he destroys two of my bikes. He destroys one. We go pull another one out the top. He destroys that, and he left me like a one-minute voice message that night that was so classic because I had to go from Chicago and drive my motorhome straight to mid-Ohio. And he left me the best voice message ever that I saved. You know, this is four phones ago, probably. Yeah, unfortunately. Right? And yeah. and um, it was it was such a great message. And yeah, and I had a photo of him that was that was good. I mean, he was a lot of fun at the time when we when he was learning how to ride. And he was so wrapped up in 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 riding. So he was it was great times. But I thought. You know, last week I was going to share that video with you, and because we're all headed to Chuckwalla now, because it's next week. We got um, Dale's days on the Wednesday and the Thursday, and then of course there's races on the weekend. And so I'm like, I'd saved it because you know we got it. We we got to support Simon, so I just need everybody to come up to Simon and just. I don't. Oh, I don't Simon. know. I don't. I honestly don't know if you could get extra, extra thick, thick rain pucks. I th- no, you could. You take two. You take two rain. No, I know, but I still together. don't think he. I still don't think he would touch them. No, not with that. <laughs> no, Can you but even I call think that lean angle. Can when you, you go around the, when you go around the racetrack with him, it is like mm-hmm. it looks like it's touching. Like you sit there and go, "Oh, his knees on the ground finally," and he's ripping. He's like going fast, and you're looking at him, and you come in, and the knee pucks have not been touched. Yeah, he's <laughs> had the same knee pucks since 1994 <laughs> or something, right? Oh my God! Do oh, you Simon. remember? All right, well, yeah. Do you remember? Was it you or who was it that drew something on the knee? Somebody drew something on his knee pucks. No, <laughs> it was like I, I didn't. That would be were, it. Take a sharpie and see if it ever wears off. Well, yeah, and it wasn't like the most. It wasn't the greatest thing you'd ever you'd like to have drawn on your knee pucks. No. And, they, and they sat there on his knee pucks for for a long time. <laughs> And he never saw him or he let him. Oh, no, he saw him. He just couldn't drag it. He couldn't get him off. I mean, think about it, Jay. That would they would be sandblasted off at Chuck Walla before he would drag him on the ground. I just just can't even like. Hey, he loves the sport, though. He's good to have around. Oh, it just cracks me up. Simon's the best. Anyways, that's the guy. Yeah, he is. So he loves our sport right now and he thinks it's great. So right. But he's going quicker than you, G-Dub. And the gauntlet has been thrown down. G-Dub is on a weight training program, everyone. I'm so pumped mm-hmm. for this guy right now. He's getting no. back to his lean fit self. Same fatty. No, I do I do sit-ups. So I do one a day, right? When I get out of bed, that's my sit-up. <laughs> one sit-up a day. <laughs> to get to the donuts? To get to the... <laughs> to get to the... No, I know different. I know different. I know different. Everybody, go to MotoGP.com or whatever. Watch the races this weekend. Get WorldSBK.com. You'll enjoy the racing that's going to happen this weekend in Argentina. Our boy Steve English is at the airport right now on his way. It's a Tuesday, and he's traveling to get down there to entertain you folks. So make sure you check all that stuff out because we're going to be talking about that next week. 
right here on this podcast. Are we, Jason? Are you gonna? Where are you gonna be? Uh, You're leaving we Sunday do to this go. Podcast. We'll figure out what day we're gonna do it. Because yeah, okay. I'm leaving Sunday, and I got a tournament thing. I got to try to play Monday to try to qualify for something. So we'll see how that goes, and then. But we'll definitely let's try to we'll try to we'll figure out a place or a way. I might be able to do this podcast Monday morning, kind of early. Okay. Like, which okay. would be perfect. Okay. Where what coast are you going to? Or are you going middle? I'm California. I'm Cal. Oh, okay. I'm so California. you're leaving, you're going to Cali. All right. Yeah, I'm driving I'm driving down south, playing in a thing, and then I'm driving over to Palm Springs from there. Okay. Monday morning, well, I think, is gonna be the day. So everybody out there, looking forward to uh what a weekend. We got a great race weekend ahead of us. Um championships could be decided, I think, G dub. So not in World Superbike yet, but for sure, Moto GP. Um, Moto Two is going to go down to the wire in Valencia with your boy Agura, which is great. He got a he got a he got a uh, got a little bit lucky the other day. So, but anyways, everybody, thanks again for listening to Greg's Garage podcast, and we will chat soon. Have a great week.